Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. Risks or opportunities or both? Germany is the fourth largest economy in the world and China has been its largest trading partner for seven consecutive years. And Germany is China's largest trading partner in Europe. Bilateral trade accounting for a quarter of China-Europe trade. But talk of de-risking has been on the rise in recent months. Last month, Germany released its first China strategy defining China as quote-unquote simultaneously a partner competitor and systemic rival. It's also reported that Berlin is considering tightening scrutiny against Chinese investment in a bid to quote-unquote enhance economic security. What do the business community think of the situation? To find out, my guest today is Michael Schumann, a certified China hand. By that I mean marriage certificate. But seriously, he has lived in China for years, traveling up and down, getting to know the country inside out. Four years ago, he co-founded China Bridge, a platform to promote mutual understanding. He just wrapped up his visit to 21 cities in China over the past six weeks. What are his observations? Welcome to this special edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin, coming to you from Beijing. I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by Michael Schumann, chairman of China Bridge, also chairman of the BWA, an NGO of German industry. Mr. Schumann, welcome to The Point. Thank you very much for having me. It's a great pleasure being here. It's been a long time since we have a German guest <laughs> here in the <laughs> studio, so it's good to have you. Three years of the pandemic has not been easy, but uh, as I said, you just spent six weeks touring China, 21 cities. Where did you go? What was the purpose of the trip? Well, I've actually crisscrossed the country from east to west and north and south. And uh, it was my first in-depth trip here to China since uh, the beginning of the pandemic, since the uh, end of 2019, my last trip was here to Beijing. The main purpose was for me, I, I have lived in China for a while, right, and I have many friends and acquaintances here. And we hadn't seen each other for four years. And with all that discussion about China in Europe and Germany these days, I wanted to reconnect to as many people as possible, to meet with people from government, from industry, state-owned enterprises, private enterprises, German investors here, uh, Chinese family-owned companies, but also with professors, think tanks, intellectuals, students, ordinary people from all walks of life, mm -hmm. to get an impression, first had an impression. But how, did, how do you make it? So altogether six weeks, of six times seven, 42 days, so yeah. two days in one place. Literally. Yeah, al almost actually, no, it was a little bit tougher even because I threw in a two week holiday with my family. So <laughs> I, did, did, I did see 21 cities in, in the four weeks. Yeah, it was mm. basically. But uh, uh, what did you see in these? It's a very multifaceted picture. First of all, I saw a lot of positive development since. I've been here last. I saw how the society, digitization, developed further. I saw a lot of new innovation in technologies and companies. I heard very interesting observations from the German companies I visited, mm. which is something you don't read about a lot at, you know, in Germany at the moment. And uh, of course, I also saw the challenges here, the pandemic hit here as it had hit Germany and Europe. Mm. 
But um, overall, still, it was a positive spirit of people trying to, hardworking as Chinese people are, mm -hmm. trying to overcome difficulties and believing in the future of this country. You genuinely felt that spirit is alive more than before the pandemic or a different one? Because right now people I are think talking it's about... A, it's a different one, mm. of course. I mean, the pandemic has left traces. Of course, you could also see and feel the scars. And uh, you hear, you know, about it young people's situation at the moment, very difficult to find employment. But then again, we have a big shortage of skilled labor in Germany. There's always opportunity. But, you know, overall, I, I still had this feeling of this being a people-centered society mm. and a society where people look with optimism into what they can achieve by themselves and collectively. One of the things that people, uh, including me, are very interested in is exactly what German business, German entrepreneurs are thinking at this moment. Because they're somehow caught in between. Yeah. So what have they been telling you and how are their days? Are their days difficult? Are their days promising? Are they considering relocating? Are they considering staying, even putting more of their life in here? Mm. Well, I've met with, with many companies. I, I started my itinerary almost in Shenyang, going to BMW first, looking at the plants there. Talked to many German hidden champions that uh, have set up in China. And uh, also to young startups that have set up here during the time of the pandemic. And uh, I didn't hear from one that they were thinking or considering to leave the country. On the contrary, you know, mostly had either just finished new production lines or are planning to expand their investment. I heard a lot of focus on strengthening R&D research and development, trying to benefit from the Chinese innovation environment. I heard from companies that innovate here and transfer those innovations back to their headquarters. Generally, companies are still profitable. Yes, and some areas it's more challenging than before because there's more competition. Mm -hmm. um, also from Chinese counterparts. Of course, but uh, come on, the country is developing, so you need to stay ahead. Germany has always been a land of ideas, and uh, I think we can keep that spirit. But overall impression, they were here to stay, and they are here to stay. Why do you think the optimism? Because if you read the papers in the West, yeah. Even if you read the articles here, watch the videos, you feel that the relationship is tense, everybody talking about de-risking or moving away from the dependency on China, mm -hmm. uh, relocating to India or to mm -hmm. you know, Southeast mm -hmm. Asia where the labor is cheaper. Mm -hmm. But you just said not a single one German company mentioned about leaving here. Why? I mean, I can only speak from the experiences that I have made talking to mm -hmm those German corporations set up here. But I think there is, um, you know, there's a growing gap or disconnect between the rhetoric and the discourse that you have in politics and media, and then the real experience of companies on the ground here, but also the impressions and beliefs of many entrepreneurs in Germany, many representatives from the business sector. We were very outspoken when that so-called German-China strategy was released. And I know of a substantial part of entrepreneurs who don't agree with that strategy at all. Mm. 
What's wrong with it? Because I, I quoted a little bit calling China simultaneously a partner, competitor, and systemic rival. Okay. Why, you know, are people not? Well, well, maybe we, you know, we、um, talk about two parts. One is this notion of dependency and、um, versus resilience, and the other one is that strategy paper that was released in July.、Mm-hmm. I think discourse about. Dependency, of course, had its origins in the experiences that we made from the pandemic, when you saw supply chains disturbed or breaking down, and also when we suddenly realized in Germany that some essential, vital goods、mm. um, weren't available anymore because of that emergency situation. And then, of course, we we saw the dramatic changes、uh, geopolitically that led to the more or less、uh, A、very dire energy situation、mm-hmm. in, in Germany. So there's some reason, justifiable reason, why we've had this talk. For example, if you're a family and you can't get fever medication for your children because it's not being produced in the country anymore, certainly you should act. Okay. So I think that is legitimate. But you act then by coming up with strategies to become more resilient. And if we would have created a national resilience strategy, for example, I think there wouldn't be no. Objections. The question is, why does it have to be a China strategy? You know, is there a need for Germany to have a China strategy? If you talk about resilience, then do a resilience strategy for every industrial sector where you find out that you have problems supplying your population. And I think there's, you know, China understands because you're doing the same thing in in, in some critical sectors.、Right? But when you had this so-called China strategy, talking about de-risking all the time, I think first. You have this logical flaw. Why、well, you call it a China strategy? No need for that. Does Germany have a, for instance, a, a U.S. strategy? A U.S. strategy? No, it, 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 <laughs> or an it, India strategy? It, it doesn't right now. Even though we had a foreign minister, you know, they, like when we still had a Trump administration,、um, Heiko Maas, then the then German foreign minister, called for a U.S. strategy to be developed,、mm. but、uh, we haven't done so. Now, but the problem with this de-risking term, I think, is first of all. The term itself has a negative connotation,、it's, meaning it is a risk. Yeah, not only is it a risk. I mean, where is it from? Where is its use? It's it, it's used and comes from the financial industry, right? If you do financial de-risking, it means like if you're a bank that you're looking at problematic accounts, people engaged in money laundering, whatever, and shutting them down. So in itself, it's a negative term, and if you try to build relations. One of the major economies in the world, and uphold a friendly relation between both peoples, and then you label them in that way. I, I think that is certainly problematic. What's the psychological or historical or I don't know cultural background behind this targeting China, you know, singling China out, and this association of a negativity with China-related business and trade cooperation? There's a long history of、um, coverage on China that has not been based on, I would say, substantial knowledge of the country and the people. That often reinforces like old cliches and stereotypes, being afraid of China to some extent, that、uh, like something negative be coming from China, whatever. That has a long, long tradition in Western media, and that is difficult to overcome. And in times of crisis like now, of course, I mean this is to some extent also 
uh, coming up uh, again and 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 uh, making people uh, insecure. Let me get back to the strategy again because that has been yes. something I also try to explain here in China over and over again. You know, major problem with that strategy is politically. Politically, I wouldn't call it that significant in Germany, because you know Germany has a very complicated political situation at the moment. Three-party coalition, and uh, the Green Party, that just represents 14 percent of the German electorate, they wanted to have this strategy. So it was agreed upon in the German government to do it, and then the Chancellor postponed it and uh, even watered it down. And then eventually, it was presented not as a government strategy in the way that the German government presented the national security strategy it was not presented by the whole cabinet, it was presented by the foreign minister at some China hawkish think tank. So I would say the political significance itself inside the German government is not as high as you might think from reading the coverage. Uh, it's domestic politics, basically. Mm -hmm. But the problem, of course, I would say is a collateral damage once this is being reported, also being reported here in China. And you have 1.4 billion right. Chinese people who think of Germany as a country that they've looked up to, that they have friendly relations with, and suddenly you hear the German government labels them as a risk. And I think that is, that is something that uh, is not in the German interest. Mm -hmm. And that's why it should never have been published. From the media point of view, from the kind of reportage, because just now you have touched upon sporadically mm. the role of the media, mm. um, what have they been doing or how has their role been in terms of pushing for this kind of strategy or calling for de-risking or enlarging the polarization, the disconnect yeah. between politics and business? I mean, they certainly create the overall atmosphere in which this, this uh, almost you know, hysterical demonization of China can flourish. And, uh, okay, uh, one more sentence to, to the strategy. I mean, it is not only wrong, but it's honest and it's insincere because it says on the surface that it wants to uphold good cooperation with China. Mm. But if you read through that 64-page document, you know, between the lines, you find out that it does just the opposite. And the media has created this atmosphere in which, um, you know, these strategies are being discussed. And the problem, I think, is in Germany, I believe that media also has a responsibility towards society. Right? And I, a long time ago, I served on the board of the German Journalist Association, and we were talking about you know, these notions of being responsible, doing responsible journalism, doing constructive journalism. And for everything in Germany, you need a license if you are a cab driver, bus driver. But you don't need for uh, a journalist. Because you are responsible for the physical well-being of your passengers. Yeah. But as a journalist, you're responsible for the mental well-being of your listeners, viewers, or, or um, readers. And um, nowadays, the media just focus on negative aspects, polarizing, divisive. Give us a detail yeah. of how far the gap may be between what you're hearing in Germany and what you're seeing in China. Because a viewer would say, I'm pretty well informed about China, <laughs> you know. But you, being someone who really knows both pictures, yeah. 
any example you can think of any outrageous i don't know uh, yeah first of all i think it's you know this picture that is painted that this year is like an orwellian society people even ask me if you move if you go to china can you move freely you know can you talk to people mm. about everything and i i find like you know here people are quite happy you know i mean they have their difficulties their challenges the economic situation right now employment what have you but uh, they're quite okay but there's in, in in the german media there's not much understanding i would say of the of the atmosphere here let alone of the way society is being organized the way like the state works the functions the role that consultative processes have inside you know the system of governance here we lack the knowledge and the problem is that nobody almost nobody you know from the media really takes the time to try to learn listen learn observe and engage with the people here you talked about just now a people-centered society for instance i think that that would be a very new term for the germans <laughs> and some of your friends may say you have been brainwashed <laughs> have you been told that i have many friends um, foreign friends who are open to china and they are either called a panda girl or they have yeah. been brainwashed yeah. but um, um you know we're going from here to there but yeah. i wanted this to be a chat because this people center society and just now you mentioned it as well you know how the society mm -hmm. is organized why do you think this is particularly interesting because in the west china is portrayed as a as a autocracy you know a autocratic society even a dictatorship there is mm -hmm. no democracy mm -hmm. why are you you're impressed about this people centered approach because i believe that um, in europe and in germany we are going through very challenging times and um, there will be a lot of need for transformation and reform and um, i was speaking of that growing disconnect not only between like the business community and the political sphere but also between ordinary people and the way they think about the state you know, if you look at uh, recent polls, I mean, 78% of the German population are dissatisfied with the current government. 69% of the German population does not believe that the state is fit to solve the problems at hand. And if you would ask around on German streets, the majority of people um, will probably tell you that they don't believe that you know, their interests lie at the heart of current politics. So they don't feel represented by the state anymore. I think that's a very dangerous uh, development. And uh, here, if you, if you look at, you know, Chinese society with open eyes, you know, there are bright and darker sides like everywhere. But you see that people are at the center of governance in many, many aspects. Um, you know, with larger policies, but down to the everyday. I give you an example. I, mm. I, uh, when I arrived at a Beijing airport, um, changing flights, I walked through the gates and I saw that in the middle of the airport there, there was a lounge, lounge for you know the elderly, the disabled, pregnant women, first-time flyers scared of flying okay. and uh, you could just access it. I, I don't know of one German airport having that. So I thought, how considerate, you know? Mm. 
And uh, many of these small observations add up to a picture um, of a society that puts people first. And I think that is something that we can learn from in the West, and we should learn from. We need to rediscover putting people's interests first. What's the level of curiosity among Germans, ordinary German people, despite the media bombardment of negativity? <laughs> How curious are they, especially the young people, about China, about coming to China? I think quite curious, especially the young generation. You know, quite often the experiences that I'm making, the people that I talk to, it, 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 they don't add up with what you hear and, 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 and read for in, in, in the media. You know, we just had a, a delegation of German students coming to, uh, is it, uh, to China as a program by Tongji University. So it's a, it's a hundred students coming here. Um, they had much more applications than open spaces. So great interest. There's a young, um, you know, digital natives program by Huawei called Digital Seeds. Mm. Coming in uh, September with 50 young German talents. Also great interest great interest and uh, I think that gives hope for the future. Mm. Looking ahead, um, given the kind of polarization, given the kind of disconnect that you just mentioned and also the United States being a very important factor behind the drumming up of the China threat rhetoric, mm. what worries you and what keeps you relatively optimistic? Well of course in great power competition the major question always is, can it be resolved peacefully or not? So I think that not only worries me, but worries many people in Germany as well. And we just hope that the uh, global community will find a way to manage differences peacefully. Mm. I think from the experience that I'm making, not only in the business community, but every day connecting Germany and China and so many people, I feel optimistic, still feel optimistic, because I, I see that every encounter makes a change. And that the cultures are still complementary to some extent. You know, Germany is and has always been a land of ideas. And uh, Chinese are so apt at taking these ideas and scaling them up, you know. And uh, there are so many connections between our cultures and our countries dating back such a long time that people don't know of in Germany anymore. So we need to teach and we need to become as knowledgeable on China as we have become in the last decades on the United States. It's a process that will take some time. But, uh, you know, looking at each and every one of these encounters, I, I, I still feel that there's hope. Mm. When you talk to Chinese policymakers, when you talk to Chinese uh, companies or counterparts or research institutions, what do you tell them that you hope will be done better or done more in order to enhance mutual understanding? You know, it's not a one-way street, I'm right. sure. Right. What do you say to them? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain the situation um, because we have been disconnected physically for almost four years and no personal encounters, all information coming from the media, you, you get a distorted picture. Right. So trying to, to explain them that the reality in Germany is not just this, the China strategy of the Green Party and also share experiences and uh, explain the situation. We might have a totally different government in two years from now 
you know, uh, changing course again. Then, of course, also try to, to give some guidance for the two years that we will have this government in power. I think it will be quite difficult to have intergovernmental programs. I mean, even though they speak about more cooperation, I've just been informed, I talked to right. German agencies here, they're shutting down the programs. You know, there was a German-Chinese management training program bringing German managers to be trained in China and Chinese managers to be trained in Germany was financed by the Federal Ministry of Economy and Climate Protection. So the political atmosphere is going to continue cooling? I think it's going to continue cooling and it might even get worse on the short term. But you see a shift and these functions that have been performed by governmental or state actors are now being performed by industry associations, NGOs. Um, also there's quite some flexibility in Germany when you look at the difference between the federal government level and like provincial and municipal governments. Mm -hmm. They're quite free to choose their own course. Yeah. And um, yeah, trying to explain that situation, illustrate the opportunities and... Um, not to lose hope. Not and to not lose to lose hope. <laughs> not to lose hope. Once again, China is Germany's largest trading partner for seven consecutive years and Germany's China's largest trading partner in Europe. How important is it to have a good relationship with China for Germany? Okay, first of all, I, I wouldn't like to just justify it by economic reasons. Of course, China is a very important trading and business partner for mm -hmm. Germany. But this is not the only reason why we should have good relations. I mean, our cultures are complementary to some extent. Now China is a world-shaping power uh, with great innovative potential. We can and should learn from China. And um, I believe that this is reason enough to keep on a good standing. On a personal level, I share your hope. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, my guest has been Michael Schumann, Chairman of China Bridge, also Chairman of the Board of the Federal Association for Economic Development and Foreign Trade. With that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point with me, Li Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Li Xin in Beijing. You've got the point. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> we then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. General Railway Company Deutsche Bahn, the 26th United Nations Climate Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. 